In a time where parents have the weight of a thousand decisions on their shoulders and every step is like walking in quicksand, adventure's probably not in your focus. However, research shows families who adventure are more resilient and have significantly healthier minds and bodies. The purpose of this podcast is to help families connect through simple and authentic adventure experiences. Welcome to Ordinary Sherpa, your online community designed to help you connect, reach your summit, and create meaningful adventure experiences with your family. Hello, and welcome to Ordinary Sherpa. I'm your host, Heidi Dusick. I hope wherever you are listening to this podcast that you have a bit of brightness, a bit of joy. For me, that is sunshine. As I was preparing for this podcast, I always look at my reviews, my written reviews. It's one of the things that brings me joy and it helps get me in the mindset. And today's written review comes from John Stange that says, Heidi's enthusiasm for family adventures is infectious. This is such a fun show to listen to and a welcome break from the many sources of negativity we encounter daily. I just started listening to the show, but I already know I'm going to be a regular listener. These little reviews not only help the show, but they just bring such brightness to my life. I always find so much joy from hearing from my listeners in whatever format works best for you. So thank you so much for leaving a written review for all of you that have. I do have a call to action at the very end of this, not to review my show, but to review one of the books that my guest today, who is an author, Joanna Garten, has written. There are two adventure stories. One is Awakening East and the other Edge of the Map. But I thought I'd take you on my own little story as I introduce Joanna. I was driving home from a particularly bad day last summer, and I was craving an escape. I turned on my podcast, which it had been months since I'd really driven anywhere, so it was my own little time to reconnect with podcasts, and oddly enough, Joanna Garten was the featured guest on this podcast, and she was sharing about her new book, Edge of the Map. I had known Joanna's mother, Jane Garten, and I had known that Jane had given up a book because of her health and that her daughter had taken it over. As soon as I heard about this, I was super excited to listen to the episode. And not only did the episode intrigue me enough, but I bought the book. I read it nonstop. It is, I'm not an avid reader, but this was the story I could not put down. It had every aspect of adventure and emotion and thrill seeker and heartbreak. There were so many aspects all rolled into one story. And after reading the book, I felt this urge to reach out to Joanna and say, I know it's the middle of a pandemic and it's, and you had mentioned it's probably not the best time to be releasing a book. So I'd love to help you. And I pitched the idea of having her on my show. She said, absolutely, let's talk about what the next steps are. We chatted about the potential of an episode related to her book, Edge of the Map. And as we got talking, she said, wait, your podcast is about family adventure? She's like, you should know that I moved to China for a year with my family. And my first book, Awakening East, might be of interest to you. And I instantly felt, yes, I have to read that first. I can't have you on my show without reading your first book. Needless to say, I not only read her first book, I immersed myself in her first book. (laughs) And there were so many things that came out of that book that just felt like a personal guide to my future. (laughs) Everything from her story on international travel to international adoption, but also moving abroad and teaching abroad. They just seemed so intriguing to me. So I felt like in order to do this justice, I needed to make this a two-part show. 
there is an adventurous, badass mom in there that I just need to get to know better. Joanna is a mother, but also an author who is a recovering lawyer as well. She spent some of her time in the AmeriCorps working with refugee survivors of torture at the Heartland Alliance, as well as serving on the Colorado Governor's Commission on Community Service. She's had several years of living and working in Asia, including some time in China with her husband, son, and daughter, which inspired her first book. Today, Joanna lives in Denver and is currently in the stages of exploring her third book. Joanna, I'm so excited to have you today. Welcome to Ordinary Sherpa. I'm thrilled to be here. Thanks for having me, Heidi. I have appreciated learning your adventure story and in some ways seeing myself in your adventure story as I look back to your Awakening East and unpacking the synopsis of, you know, these really epic adventures of climbing the Great Wall of China and scuba diving or snorkeling in Thailand. And yet you also had a lot of challenges like working through the visa debacle, I guess, (laughs) and finding support systems and negotiating and just all these things. So I guess at one point, did you decide that this was going to be a story worth writing about? Well, that's a great question. I think as we sort of dove into our year, I began to write about it and blog about it because I think I sensed that this would be a story worth telling. But oftentimes, you know, when you're in the middle of an adventure, you can't really see it. So I did quite a lot of writing and blogging and people became really fascinated by what was happening to us on a day-to-day basis. So after six, seven months of blogging, I looked back and several people said, you know, this is really worth a book. So at that point, it became clear to me that uh, it could be something that a wider audience might find fascinating. Yeah, and there was quite a bit in the story, not just of your international experience, but things leading up to this experience. I had to kind of laugh as I saw the partnership between you and Ernie, your husband unfold, that he wasn't maybe always on this journey with you, but you had to kind of bring him along. Can you talk a little bit, because I think that can be a conflict sometimes when you're trying to do these adventures and you're not all on the same page. So how did that end up playing out? How did you get him to buy into this idea of I guess all of it, really, right? Right. Moving abroad and adapting and all of it. Right, right. It definitely was my idea. And it did take some time for him to warm up to the idea because it wasn't a move that was across town or even within the United States. This was a pretty substantial move. So as with many things in our partnership, and I'm imagining your listeners have the same experience, but as with many things in our partnership, I think for us, the key was... And for me, especially getting him to buy in, the key was kind of making sure that he had ownership over certain parts of the adventure and the journey and bringing him along slowly and not just sort of dictating to him exactly how I saw things and how I imagined things would play out, but kind of leaving a blank slate for him here and there so that he could feel invested in the adventure as much as I did. Yeah, I'm sure he needed to see himself in this story too, right? Sure, absolutely. (laughs) Were there ever any parts that you thought were going to go differently? You had some pretty tumultuous experiences, I thought, as I was looking at this going, gosh, how is she going to navigate this? Were there ever points where you thought, oh, that didn't go according to plan, or I wish I would have wrote this part of the story differently in my head? Yes, yes. Well, I, (laughs) I have to say, I had that kind of refrain that we all have about 
oh, children are so resilient and your children are going to be fine and you can move them across the ocean and eventually they'll be great and it'll be such a wonderful experience. And that resiliency piece in children is something that I really hung my hat on entering this experience. And therefore, when we would present pieces of our adventure to them and sort of assume that they would be okay with A, B, and C, and when they weren't, that was a bit of a that was a bit of a tumultuous mm-hmm. time. In particular, we wanted to put them directly into Chinese public schools and not into an international school because we wanted them to learn the language. And they were not really having it. That was pretty mm-hmm. traumatic. <laughs> so we had to shift our plans, which is what you do in the middle of adventures so many times, right? Yeah. It seemed like you were almost halfway through the year, like you were starting to see the end of this journey and your kids came along. How long did it take for them to really appreciate in seeing themselves in this story too and value the experience that they were getting? Yes, it took about six months. We were there for a year and at about the six month mark when we were kind of rounding the corner and starting to think just a little bit about the back end of our adventure, they were just kind of getting the feel for it and hitting their stride. And that just continued to get better and better to the point that when we were really ready to leave at the 12-month mark, they wanted to stay, which was bittersweet and wonderful all in the same breath, really. Yeah, I saw at the very end of the story, you talk a little bit about your son I know you had had interactions with him before, and you said at some point you're going to really appreciate living in China. And he kind of came to that point, even after moving back to the United States for a while, it kind of sunk in. And it was a pretty moving experience to to rationalize what that experience meant to him and why he was so privileged. It, it kind of raised some really interesting things, I think, to end the book. Did you see that going forward, that that experience kind of completely changed his trajectory on life? Or does he see things differently today because of that experience? I think he does. I know that he does. And I know that he values that year that we had as a family. But it has taken a while for him to be able to articulate that and for those things to resonate and come out of him in different magical ways. So Hanging with it, even when you're back from an adventure and there is still this part that kind of nags at you, like, did we really do the right thing? I think sticking with it and realizing in the end, there will be things that your children will love and will come to appreciate. That's something that's been very important for us to do and to and to stick with. Yeah, that resilience, not just the resiliency, but the tenacity. Mm-hmm. I, we've talked a little bit about the idea of teaching abroad and You know, it seems really exciting, but it seems also like that epic adventure where everything's going to go perfect. And so your story helped me go, oh, maybe we should think about this. And what didn't we think about? There were so many things in your book that were just helpful tips for me. If you were going to do it all over again, would you write the story differently? Oh, gosh. You know, it was such a messy, beautiful adventure. (laughs) When people ask me about it and how it was and can you describe it, I say it was kind of like every adjective you can ever imagine all in one year. So I don't think I would do anything different necessarily other than going into it with fewer expectations. I do think I had kind of a rosy image of what we might gain and how fast we might appreciate where we were. And it did take quite a lot of time. But there were so many moments of beauty in all of those messy episodes that we had that it really was truly worth it. And the real adventure of a lifetime for our family, one we will never forget. 
Yeah. And going into this, you had quite a bit of writing experience. I know your mother is a writer. I'm assuming in your AmeriCorps and your human rights work had done some writing. Did you ever see yourself as an author? Did you have that intention as you were going into this? I really didn't. No. You know, I was trained in journalism in college. But by the time we moved to China, I had been so far out of my journalism training for so many years that I don't think I ever really anticipated that I would be a published author. But then, of course, this particular journey changed that completely. And that journey became my first book, which then turned into a second book. And now I can't imagine doing anything else except writing full time. That's awesome. So tell me differences. What's the difference between writing for pleasure and writing with a story or an author kind of mindset? Oh, gosh. Well, you know, I think author is just a fancy word for somebody who has had a combination of luck and has worked really hard such that he or she has had something published. Mm. So there's so many people who can be writers, and it just takes that little extra piece of luck, I think, to become a published author. So now that I'm doing it with that in mind and that hope, that hope that things will get published, it's a bit more strict in terms of what my day looks like and how I structure things and the amount of research I do. I'm mm -hmm. much more focused, and there is a little bit more pressure in that regard. I would love to go back to writing for pleasure someday uh, without that thought of what's my next book going to be? Yeah. So is it harder to do that now to just journal or to do whatever it is just to help you process? Were you a journaler prior to all of this? Yes, I totally was a journaler. And now I have to say I don't journal quite as much. So that is actually something I need to pick up again. Uh, I'm spending a lot more time right now focusing on the stories of other people because I kind of feel like oh, my story was already written. But of course, you know, I still have hopefully many more decades ahead of me. So I should definitely get back to journaling. I didn't mean to put that on you. Sorry. <laughs> I hope that didn't come across that no. way. It's good. As I was reading your story, both Awakening East and Edge of the Map, there's a little like a there's a little badass adventure woman in there that I really appreciated. So how did you find I don't know, is there something that inspired you to really step into your place or to find your voice as that adventurous persona that gave you the courage to keep moving forward? Let's see. That's a great question. I think one of the things that I possess is I'm not really afraid to fail at things and I fail a lot. <laughs> My kids see me failing at all sorts of sorts of things all the time. And I think that's maybe a trait that has been beneficial when taking on some of these kind of crazy adventures, whether they be travel or education that I've taken on or teaching in crazy places or businesses that I've started that haven't worked out, whatever it may be. So that, I don't know, I haven't really ever talked about that or articulated that out loud, but that might be something inside me that I've got that has helped me a little bit along the way. Yeah. As you took on the story for Christine Boscoff in your second book, In Edge of the Map, I noticed you didn't come from a mountaineering background, correct? You, that wasn't necessarily within your bloodline. That's right. That's right. I'm a marathoner. So running and endurance sports is kind of my thing, but definitely not climbing to the top of Mount Everest. And I know your mom started to write this book and due to her health, realized that it wasn't going to be her story to finish. So when you pick that up, 
how did you intertwine your voice and find your space in this mountaineering story? Yes, that's a that's a great story in and of itself, having picked it up from my mother. So my mom had done quite a bit of research. She hadn't started writing the book, but she definitely had a vision of where she wanted it to go. And when I picked up the baton from her, I had a really different vision. So that was pretty tricky to navigate. We spent a lot of time kind of talking about what it was going to look like for me versus what she wanted it to look like. And I think having been trained as a journalist, my hope was to spend a lot of time listening to people and interviewing people so that I could wrap my arms around many different voices and bring those voices into the story so that it would become more of an adventure book and less of a biography, which I think is the direction that she was going in the direction she wanted. So that definitely took some time to navigate for me and for us as a mother-daughter team. I'm sure it did. And just family dynamics. I, yeah, I think that could also be really tricky. You know, you're taking over someone's project. I found it really interesting. I recall listening to you on another podcast where you talked about the voice of the female climber was really absent in this entire mountaineering, you know, K2 was out at that time. And I there were a number of other mountaineering alpine climber books. But there was something unique about Christine and the female voice. How did you find that? How did you lift that up in a world that's dominated by male? Yes, this was really interesting to me because I surprised surprisingly, kind of just dove in. And this is something that I hadn't really thought about until I was, I mean, I was well into writing the manuscript before I really stopped and realized, you know, this is sounding very different than these other 50 books that are sitting on my bookshelf, these other mountaineering books. And I sort of looked at them and I realized, oh, that's because these other 50 books are written by white men. So that's why my book is sounding a little bit different. And I was able to, I think, bring more humanity to the story because in large part, I think because I had access to Chris's journals. And so we've talked about journaling and how people can kind of reveal their souls and their deepest thoughts and how important that is for creatives and other people. And so I had access to her journals and I was really able to use those journal entries to bring her into the narrative, along with all of these people I interviewed who spoke so lovingly of her. And so I had kind of just naturally created this narrative that felt different than most mountaineering stories do. Yeah. And we're going to dive into that in our next episode. So I don't want to like reveal too much there. But what a different experience from writing your story to writing that of another. And what did you all have to really help you create the story? Yes, it was very different. So when I wrote my book, you know, I didn't really need to do much research because it was my story. I could just kind of write whatever the heck I wanted. It was my journey and my story. But for Edge of the Map, it was the story of another person. So I wanted to be very true to her life. And so it did require quite a bit of time talking to dozens and dozens of people to be able to capture her voice, but then also capture the individuals in her life who were so important to her. And many of them had passed. So talking to their loved ones and their friends and then kind of braiding all these different narratives together. So it really was a much more journalistic effort uh, the second time around with book number two. 
Yeah, we just did a mini episode prior to this on the importance of documenting. And I think that this story helped me really frame that episode because there's so many things that are in our heads that we don't really capture. And without all, I mean, imagine what Christine's story would be like without that journal or without the videos that you had or without some of the, I don't know, aspects of your research to really help frame it. So sometimes I think, you know, documenting is not just for you. It's also for your legacy or for people who need to hear your story that you may never meet. And so it was kind of fun to hear Chris's story. Chris comes, and I'll give a little teaser, and I know you're going to get into this in our next episode, but I think the common thread between you and I and your mom and Christine is that we're all grown up within the le- about 20 miles of each other. And there's something unique about Wisconsin and that hometown feel, and that really carried through in her character. And I, I love how you portrayed her throughout with that Midwestern humble. I know that's who she was, but also just the roots that she came from. Yes, absolutely. That humility was really core. And I wanted to capture that. And so I'm very glad that I did. Yeah. Do you have any tips or advice when we talk about documenting or writing your story, either your own or someone else's as listeners are thinking about whether they're going to be an author or not, the importance of documenting or any tips just to help you do those things more regularly or build the habit or the practice around Mm -hmm. writing? Yeah, that's so tricky. I think that people should really focus on documenting their life through whatever form feels most comfortable to them, you know, and it's so easy now on some level, because there's social media everywhere. So on some level, it is much easier. And there are tools to do that. But those tools don't necessarily always feel comfortable for people. So Mm -hmm. whether it's writing, or whether it's taking pictures, or every day, maybe a little video of your kids, or, you know, hike you went on, or something you're cooking for dinner, I think those little snippets Even if they just take a moment a day, I think uh, in the long run, that ends up being a great way to document. It doesn't have to be writing. It can be whatever it is that, that strikes you. Or a piece of art might be another way that you could do that as well. Very individual. There's no real wrong answer to this question. I think it's just one of those practices we don't think about. And often now as a mom, too, I think back and go, oh, everybody tells me I should keep track of all this stuff. And it's easy to get caught up in just keeping track of the highlight reels of your life and, you know, the birthdays and the holidays. But there's a lot of really interesting things that happen throughout our lives. It's true. I use with my kids and myself, I use this a lot, too. I use the voice memo app on my phone all the time to sort of record my children. Sometimes I'll record our dinner conversations or... I'll send them a 30-second voice memo. And so I have those all saved. And sometimes we go back and listen to ones that I sent like 15 years ago, and it's very sweet. So there's another option. Yeah, that's a great reminder. I used a voice memo when my oldest was just a baby and those little noises even that they make. It's a great, it brings back a lot of really fun memories. I'm glad I'm past it, but I do love listening to those. So give us some insights. We're going to roll into part two of this uh, with Edge of the Map, but give us a little bit of insights. What inspired you to take on this story and why do you feel Edge of the Map is a story that needed to be told? Oh my goodness. Okay. So in the year 2006, I was living out here in Denver with my family and I got a call from my mom who had read an article in our hometown newspaper, the Appleton Post-Crescent, about Christine Boscoff, who had gone missing with her climbing partner in western Sichuan province in China. And mom 
called and said, have you heard of this woman? Her name is Christine Boscoff, and she's a mountaineer, and she's climbed more 8,000-meter peaks than any other American woman, and she's gone missing, and I had not heard of Chris. And mom just kind of dove into the story of their disappearance and the search and rescue. And my mother is not a climber nor a mountaineer. And so at one point in the conversation, I stopped my mom and asked why she was so interested in the story of Christine Boscoff. And she said, because you went to high school with her which really took my breath away. I had no idea who this woman was, and she had lived just a few miles away from me. She was just three years older than me. And so at that point, my mom dove into the story of Chris. And after spending some time with Christine's mom, who lived, again, just a few miles away from us in Appleton, my mom, who is also a journalist, felt that this was a story that needed to be told and a book that needed to be written. So at that point, she began work on the book, lots of research, and she spent about 10 years on the book. And during that time, she was diagnosed with Parkinson's disease. So after working on the book for about 10 years, she realized she could no longer continue her work on the book. And at that point, I had just published Awakening East, and I was looking for a second book. And so I offered to take it from her at that point. And so that is, that is how it landed in my lap. And why did you feel that this was the story, and not only to honor your mom, mm -hmm. but to honor Chris? Why was this the story that you decided to take on as your second book? I know 2020 is not the year necessarily to be launching the book, but just curious, what are you seeing now, now that it's out in the world and written and published? What are you learning from Chris now or from that book? Yeah, you know, it's funny because it was published in April, which was, of course, a hideous time to be releasing a book in April 2020. Can't imagine anything worse, really. So my heart was kind of sinking for those early months. But then I realized that readers were really resonating with the story and its message of resiliency. She was an incredibly resilient woman who had these passions and the greatest of which was to live a life in the mountains. And that passion she had and the way she stuck to it, no matter how many criticisms she was facing, no matter because she constantly had to answer questions about being a woman and on and on, she really did stick to it. And through the highs and lows, she came out the other end. I don't want to give away too much to part two. So I'm just going to give a little teaser. Thank you for that. Uh, Ordinary Sherpa was actually inspired out of this book. I don't even know if you knew that. As I was reading about the Sherpa culture and a little bit about the Himalayan area, it was one of those uh, juxtapositions of being a Sherpa and being a mom. And what would that be like? And how can we put those two together? So interesting side note. And we're going to get more into Edge of the Map in our next episode. So thank you so much for joining me on this one, Joanna. I really appreciate it. And I'm going to put all of your information in our show notes for this one. Thanks so much. Okay, so many good things here. Here we have 11 key takeaways from this episode. And be sure to join us for the next episode as we continue the conversation with Joanna. Number one, when you are in the middle of an adventure, you can't always see the story unfolding. What started out as a blog to connect with family and friends while living in China transformed into her first book, Awakening East, after about six to seven months. Number two, take the time to bring your partners along so that they see themselves in this adventure. Leaving a blank slate to allow others to have ownership of what those pieces are helps them see themselves in this adventurous story. Number three, while children are resilient, it also shocked her when the kids reacted in a way that didn't go according to plan. Sticking with it, but also understanding that things happen on their time and on their level 
will help us understand what resonates and how to support them in the process. Having a plan, but also transitioning as needed, was important for her children to thrive in China. Number four, looking back, almost every adjective smooshed together could summarize their year in China. Perhaps going into it with a few less expectations may have been a lesson learned. However, there was so much beauty in the messiness that she also wouldn't change a thing. Number five, the year in China changed the trajectory of Joanna's career, actually moving her into a formal title of an author with a published book. Number six, the difference between an author and a writer is that an author has a fancy title and perhaps a little bit of luck in that they have published work. Given that her story has already been written, she feels more compelled to stay focused on the next book as opposed to writing for pleasure, which she reflected in the episode that she doesn't do as often as she liked to. Number eight, Joanna's ability to work through the fear also comes from her innate ability to fail. Her kids see her fail. It's a trait that she's not willing to hide from. And she's failed a lot in her life and thought that may have had some resonance in her adventurous persona. Number eight, finding your voice and the voice of the female climber allowed her to bring humanity to the story edge of the map. It was a very different experience to write the story versus writing someone else's story. Number nine, Document your life in whatever format works best for you. It's important to keep track of more than the highlight reels. Joanna had mentioned the use of voice memos in their family story. Number 10. 2020 was not the year to release a book. However, Edge of the Map has turned out to be a story of resiliency that has resonated with so many readers. And number 11, I am putting all of the resources in the guide. My call to action is to buy the book or read the book or get the book from the library if you can. Both Awakening East and Edge of the Map are very fun adventure reads. It's fast, it's easy to read, but I think you'll find a lot of joy in the stories. I have links to the books in my show notes. Awakening East is mostly available online. However, if you do request it from an independent bookstore, they can also order it for you. Edge of the Map is sold anywhere books are sold. However, if you go to joannagarten.com and use the coupon code SHERPA, you will get 25% off your order through the end of April 2021. And because I know the importance of reviews, if you enjoy either book, Awakening East or Edge of the Map, please go to Amazon and leave a review for the book. Even if you don't purchase it from Amazon, Amazon reviews are really helpful in getting your book rankings higher. So just a point of generosity to help Joanna continue to get her book read, an Amazon review would be extremely helpful. With that, we'll see you next week. Thank you so much for joining us on this journey. value from today's show, here are three easy ways you can support us. Subscribe to Ordinary Sherpa Podcast on the platform you're listening to. It lets the providers know that you're getting value from the show and want to be around when we release additional content. If you feel compelled, leave us a review. Two, find your friends, family, and others you think would enjoy this show and share this episode. Three, and most importantly, join the community of families interested in creating authentic experiences through simple adventures by going to OrdinarySherpa.com backslash community. We want to hear from you and create content that would benefit your family. Thanks for joining us on this journey as we help families connect through adventure.